0: Overdraft fees are just the worst. Get up to $200 in fee-free overdraft with the Chime Checking account. Sign up today at Chime.com slash Goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Well, Tim, thank you so much for having me. It's good to be on. You had an event last evening. That is what brings you to town. We
1: did. We had an event with the Safari Club International, and uh, we're uh, meeting some folks here around the Athens area, and I get to have lunch with my son uh, (laughs) here at UGA. A student Uh, at UGA. That's right. What year is he in? Uh, he's a freshman year, so oh he's, he's three and a half, four weeks in, or whatever. But, he, uh, he's
0: figured out what he wants to do with his life, or no? Uh, he he has an idea. We'll see if that uh, <laughs> if we'll see if that holds true for four years. Right, you were the mayor in Alfredo. want to talk about that for a quick minute. Mayor there for six years. You're telling me you stepped down early to to wage the the 2018 campaign. What do you learn by being a mayor?
1: Well, you know one of the things is 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 really how to lead um, you know mayor is one of those titles and certainly in our elementary school you know upbringing uh, it's, it's like there's the president of the United <laughs> States and then there's the mayor if you ever want to be a rock star be a mayor and go to a third grade class uh-huh, yeah. um, but uh, but the truth of the matter is there's not a lot of authority there you know it's a great title in terms of you know it's the guy who sits in the middle and he, or a lady and she runs the meeting. Um, but really it's about leading it's a platform for leadership and from there we were able to cast a vision both to our organization inside and outside we accomplished some amazing things we redid downtown we brought along Avalon grew our core industry from under 400 companies to over 700 companies Um, and those are the things that you learn is how to cast a vision that people can get behind understanding that the method is really where things get bogged down but most of the time the goal uh, in most instances, is the same for most people.
0: Even, as you say, without a great degree, and this varies from city to city, different cities are set up in different ways, uh, but without a great degree of authority.
1: That's right. How
0: do you lead without authority?
1: <laughs> well, and, and that's, that is leadership, you know, because if you, if you have all the authority you need, you don't need to be a good leader. You just dictate. Yeah. Um, and that's what we need at the Secretary of State's office because the Secretary of State, likewise, has very little authority. Now there's a lot of um, obligation, there's a lot of uh, liability. But in terms of the 159-county board of elections, you don't get to simply decree how it's going to be done. I, I make that point,
0: and say that again for the people in the back, because I keep hearing this. Well, the Secretary of State runs the elections, and and to my way of understanding it, no he doesn't, 159-county election supervisors run the elections.
1: Yes. So so the Secretary of State is the chief elections officer for the state of Georgia, and as such, is responsible for how it goes. Now, that doesn't mean, though, that it's going to be a situation where he just decrees or dictates, as we mentioned a moment ago and suddenly all 159 counties say yes sir and they do it Um, that's just not the way it is and so what you've got to do is you've got to say look you've got to here's the, the overarching goal is fair and safe secure elections and then you start talking about the process and you have to engage and interact with these 159 county board of elections and start charting the path and that's that's only part of it. At the other side of it, you've got the legislature. They're the ones who actually set the law, and you've got to be able to cast a vision to them so that that law can reflect the best practices for the state of Georgia. And then you at that at the end of that, then you, ultimately you're going to have the courts that are going to interpret it. So there's a lot of things happening in that office, and if all you there, if if all you are is there to have an opinion, it's just not going to get done.
0: All right. If you thought David Belisle, candidate for secretary of state, if you thought Brad Raffensperger was doing a great job at all that, you'd be doing something else. Clearly, you don't think he's doing a good job.
1: I don't. And, you know, you mentioned a moment ago that uh, mm-hmm. we came close last time and we did. And I hung up politics, to be honest with you. I've got a, a law practice uh, back in Alpharetta and, um, you know, that was fine. But then what I've seen. I can't unsee. And and, and really, uh, I have to run because I feel like among the field, uh, we have we can't afford to get this wrong twice and we can't afford to simply say, look, you have great platitudes. You have great opinions. You'll make a great secretary of state. We can't afford that.
0: All right. What did we get wrong? What more precisely in your estimation, what's Brad Raffensperger getting wrong?
1: Yeah, so uh, part of it started with—and and, and this, this is not the first incident to describe, not necessarily the first in time, but one of the big mistakes that he made, uh, not only in terms of security but also in trust, is he sent unsolicited absentee ballot applications to everyone on the voter list. Now, he did so at a cost of $13 million, uh, but he also did it first-class mail. And the reason that I point that out, that it was first-class mail, is not because, well, it's more expensive— Because first-class mail has a unique feature that makes it first-class. When it arrives at a residence and that person no longer lives there, it gets forwarded to where that person now lives, which by definition, that's no longer a proper voter registration. Which could
0: be California.
1: Could be California. It could be North Carolina. It could be anywhere. Um, So that was one of the issues. The other is we hear oftentimes, well, he signed that consent decree uh, with that lawsuit with the Democrat Party. Um, there were some real consequences there, and I want to kind of explain it because Please. because it 's not simply oh it 's bad. let me tell you why it 's bad <laughs> there's really two big components of it one of it uh one of the components is that in order to invalidate a mail in ballot, it required all one hundred and fifty nine counties to be to have to convene a three member panel, and that three member panel would have to evaluate an absentee ballot and determine whether it was good or not good. In addition to that, they had, and it was a little unclear as to what the consequences would be, but they would have to alert uh, any voter or proposed voter that submitted an invalid ballot within a very specific time frame based on when it arrived. Uh, And what that ultimately did is it made it nearly impossible uh, to reject an invalid mail-in ballot. So
0: so skip to the end of all that, and your your estimation is that at, at least potentially invalid ballots were counted.
1: It, absolutely. When you look at the uh, the average rejection rate in 2018 and 2016, the average rejection rate was four point six percent. That means missing signature, not a true voter or whatever. And in, two, in 2020, the rejection rate was zero point four percent. Now, reason that's important is that's fifty five thousand ballots. That's the mm-hmm. difference based on the number of absentee votes that split which is the same as you know, in, in the 1.3 million absentee votes that we had, the split was 65% Biden, Biden, 35% Trump. When you take those 55,000 ballots out at that same rate, you can see that actually statistics, not even talking about fraud, and there are issues, there are issues with fraud, but even without talking about fraud— the wrong result was certified with respect to the Electoral College, with respect to Georgia's uh, votes. And then also, you look at the uh, Senate race, in that same percentage. In November
0: per- or January? In November. November.
1: So, in that Senate race, though, when you take out those 55,000 ballots, Purdue avoids the runoff, which is huge because that's the entire U.S. Senate. That's the issue right now. We're hoping that a Democrat named Manchin holds the line for, for Republicans across the country.
0: All right, uh, he's David Belisle. He's running for Secretary of State. Republican wants to unseat the Republican incumbent, Brad Ravensburg primary next year. I want to pick up where we left off there before the break. Uh, and, and just to, I think you, you actually answered the question, but I want to pose it in a much more direct way. Was the election, to use the word, as so many people believe, was the election of last year, uh, last election cycle, November 2020, was that election stolen?
1: I would say, in that that uh, you know, when you start, t- the moment we start mentioning fraud, and I think there is fraud, but right now, at least, I'm not aware of how we can say here the, the exact number of votes that were fraudulent. I think we will get there, by the way. But that being said, what I can say, and this is what I think is not only defensible, uh, you don't even have to go that far. Remember the 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 margin here of quote unquote victory uh, was about eleven thousand six hundred votes. Yeah. yeah. And when you do the statistics that I applied just a moment ago. You know, in the event that the county board of elections were allowed to act in the same way that they were in 2018 and before, and just normal scrutiny of the absentee ballots, the, the, the result that was certified was wrong. And, and the there,
0: reason they weren't, to again, go back, the reason they were not able to do what they did in those previous two election cycles, the consent decree that was signed by Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger.
1: That's correct, and uh, which was a bad call. And, you know, and it, it really speaks to a lot of his decision-making in that <clears> it sounds good in the moment, perhaps, and it sounds like he's being conciliatory, but I don't think he understands or contemplates what the larger consequences of those decisions are. Same with the uh, sending the unsolicited absentee ballots. I mean, that's uh,
0: explain to me the, the issue with that, uh, because it wasn't just the secretary of state, it wasn't just the state that was sending those yeah. parties were different <clears throat> organizations were, campaigns were. I got stacks of them and you got people out there uh, who will tell you. Oh, you know, there were all those absentee ballots that were mailed. No, they weren't. Those were applications.
1: That's right. But here's what we do know. So those applications, you're right. So not only did the Secretary of State send those applications out, but, but third-party organizations did as well. And what we know and what you can find on the Secretary of State's webpage uh, when you look at the data is that less than one-tenth of one percent of the applications that came back to the Secretary of State's office did not result in a ballot being issued. In other words, they weren't declined. So if you sent in an absentee ballot application, there's a darn good chance uh, that you also got a ballot, regardless of who you are. And then what we just talked about is if you then sent in a ballot, well, it was
0: counted. Well, now, and that when I reached that point in the process, I'm committing fraud. I mean, as an individual. That's right. I, I'm personally committing fraud once I've done that. Now, we've heard Secretary of State Raffensperger say, uh, well, more than I think the figure was 250 or some such uh, specific cases of voter fraud or allegations of it that were being investigated i don't know where any of that stuff stands now and i don't know here's something else i don't know i don't know whether that's in or out of line with any other election cycle
1: well you know that a lot of those cases it's a little misleading those cases aren't from 2020 okay (laughs) the cases that's just the current uh book of cases that they're looking into many of which are 2018 and before um, one of the things, you know, and, and Brad has said as much, uh, he's acknowledged that they know of 1,700 voters. Now, I imagine there's more, but 1,700 voters who voted by absentee ballot and then also voted in person. He said as much in, in his press releases. But not one of those has yet been investigated or turned over to the attorney general's office. And those are the things, like, here's the, you know, it's not just the, the bad short-term decisions. He's creating precedents uh, that are very difficult, going to be very difficult in the future, Uh, when you are not being held accountable for voting twice, then why not get more people to vote twice? Worst case scenario, they don't count both votes. That's a terrible thought and a terrible idea.
0: Here's where the train goes off the tracks for me in trying to follow that line of thinking.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I'm not going to risk prison to help you get elected.
1: Well, you're not risking it, because if they don't prosecute it, you're not risking anything. And look, I'm not saying that anyone should do that. You obviously should not do that. But when you have a party, and I mean the Democrat Party, Mm -hmm. It starts to get to the point where the, the ends justify the means. Suddenly, that makes all the sense in the world. Where you got someone like Stacey Abrams, why not try to vote twice? Worst case scenario, one of the votes doesn't count. That's a terrible thought. In addition to that, we you know we talk about Fulton County, and I live in Fulton County. Um, I wish Alpharetta was in a different county, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Fulton County is ground zero when it comes to election fraud. Now, get this, and you can look at this just from the 2020 census data and the Secretary of State's page. Among eligible voters in Fulton County, 103% are registered to vote. It doesn't make sense. You're yes, 103% of eligible voters in Fulton County are registered to vote.
0: Meaning people 18 and older and lawfully residing. Okay. That's
1: right. That's right. And the thing is, is that the reason is, is because they're not cleaning their rolls. Well, okay,
0: a good number of those are probably dead. And others who moved away and that kind of thing.
1: We don't know, but with Fulton County, having that kind of opportunity with respect to people who are on the voter rolls, because if you're on the voter rolls, you get to vote whether you're alive or not or whether someone's voting in your place. At a minimum, it creates a massive amount of uncertainty. And the reason we lost the Senate, by the way, was not the incompetence that Brad has, though there's lots, Uh, But it was really the uncertainty. People lost faith in the system because everyone can point to that doesn't make sense. That doesn't look right. That doesn't feel right. And they lost confidence. And so you you have a
0: lack of turnout. Republicans who voted in November didn't go back in January.
1: It was over 300,000 Republicans.
0: Far more than enough to make the difference. That's
1: right. If one in four comes back, we win.
0: Now we, we, we got that close to home here. Eleven hundred Oconee County Republicans stayed home in a December district attorney's runoff, and now they have a DA they wish they didn't have. A lot of the voters in Oconee County who chose not to vote, but that's not Brad Raffensperger's fault, is it, or is it?
1: It is, and and you know because of the because of the way that that it was handled in that November third election, because of the the sloppiness with respect to the drop boxes, offering hundreds of drop boxes, very uh, many of those drop boxes didn't have proper surveillance or a proper chain of custody. You've got the, uh, you know, and I didn't even tell you when, when those unsolicited absentee ballot applications were sent, all you had to do was check the box, by the way, to receive a ballot for the entire cycle. So that, that, that first-class mail that follows to the next place, if you want to be consistent, all you do is check the box. You'll get ballots to that new address for the duration. All and right. so those are the things that have just eroded and crushed the confidence in our system. A
0: couple minutes left here. Enough about Brad Raffensperger for a moment. Congressman Jody Heiss also in this race. Uh, did, conventional wisdom might say, all right, Brad Raffensperger versus one of these guys in a runoff. Uh, what do you do to be that guy?
1: Well, I will tell you that we can't afford to get it wrong twice. And last time, you know, Brad had all the right opinions. But the difference in this race, and, and I would say, you know, with respect to, to Jody Heiss, uh, this isn't a job for someone who condemns a crisis. This is a job for someone who understands how to lead an organization, how to lead beyond the actual direct authority of that office, to cast a vision inside and outside that organization. This race revolves around, around how, not what. We've got a great plan but it's the ability to execute that plan that is going to pull us out of the ditch. It's not about having a great opinion; it's about being able to
0: lead. And in terms of running the campaign, what there is left of it, uh, what are the next few weeks and months going to look like for you?
1: Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're 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 right now trying to organize 29 different events all across the state. Uh, we're raising money. We're we're meeting with uh, elected officials, influencers across the state. Uh, it is a, a very active endeavor uh, and because it's important. I mean, it, it, this, this is critical. I know everyone says that in an election, but this, you know, I tell people I'm working for the worst job in politics, and it is, but right now it's the most important job. And uh, we-
0: former President Trump endorsing Jody Heiss. What do you make of that? What does that mean to you?
1: You know what? Uh, I support President Trump. Uh, he's never met me. Uh, President Trump once endorsed Brad Raffensperger, so it's not always the right call.
0: And again, another few weeks on the campaign trail for you. I don't know if you break for the holidays or not, but at some point, I mean, you really get ramped up first to next year. Campaign website, where do folks find you?
1: It's uh, DavidBellisle.com. And Bellisle is a little odd, but it's B E L L E I S L E, David Bellisle. Those are two different
0: things, right? Bell and then Isle. Is it all one word? Well, It's all run together it's for all the, all website. On the website. Yeah, so yeah, uh, yeah. David Bellisle, B E L L E. I-S-L-E. I have trouble with that myself. I always tell people, I'm in the pronouncing business, not the spelling business. There you go. Sometimes. But thanks for dropping in this morning. Best of luck out there on the campaign trail. Thank where you Where are you going from
1: me. here? Uh, from here, I don't even know yet. i <laughs> yeah. got to look at oh, my yeah, phone. Last Taylor
0: over <laughs> there figure out where we're going next. Thanks for running in this morning. David Ballow, Republican candidate for Secretary of State. Yeah, you.